Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. Well, happy Mother's Day. We got flowers coming after service. Who likes a good flower? Anybody? All right, you can have a flower. We got a photo booth. That's my wife, Sally. She loves pictures. I've taken more pictures in the last nine years of my life than in the first 29 combined. I'm positive. And it's not even close. If you looked at like my phone, like, you know, if you have an iPhone, I had an iPhone before my wife, and I think I had like 30 pictures in my phone. And now I have like 7,000 million pictures, okay, of just stuff, you know, a picture, a sky. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, if you're brand new, I'm Tyler. Welcome to Mission Church. So good to see you. We've been in a series for a while titled Knowing God. Knowing God. Everybody say Knowing God. We're almost done. It's John 15. It's only a handful of chapters left. I think five or six uh, chapters left. John 20, I think uh, six chapters left. Uh, and so we are almost there. Uh, this one is, if I could just get into it, because I'm going to do the whole verse of John 15. This is one of the most famous chapters in all of the Bible. It's I am the vine and you are the branches. Woo! He actually says, I am the true vine. This is one of those verses and chapters, if I could just put it that way, it makes me think of SeaWorld. Uh, anybody been to SeaWorld? Get to SeaWorld quick, because Shamu is leaving, okay? Uh, Blackfish ruin it for all of us. I don't want to talk about it, okay? And you're like, how dare you still want Shamu? I don't still want Shamu there, but I do, okay? But that's a different story. Uh, and if you're a PETA lover, uh, forgive me. So anyways, uh, so I went to um, SeaWorld, and I remember sitting in this zone called the Splash Zone. Remember the Splash Zone at SeaWorld? Yeah, like literally, seats painted blue, Splash Zone. Basically preparing you that Shamu's gonna come up, and the bigger the Shamu, the bigger the whale, it's going to have a bigger splash, and it's gonna get everywhere, okay? And so I was brand new to SeaWorld. I was like, I mean, I'm sitting up front. I'll never forget it. I mean, it almost like a bucket of water that got me. I was like, props to you, Shamu, job well done. One of these uh, whales, though, was a, was a big boy, and, uh, or big gal. I really don't know, to be honest. Um, big whale. Uh, and the splash zone that was higher up, people thought they were safe. Oh, that day they were not safe. They, every, everybody got the water on them. I want you to know something real quick. If you're in the house today, you in the splash zone, okay? Uh, John 15, it's the Shamu of chapters, okay? It is going to get on you. It's going to get in your business. It's going to get in your grill. Uh, if you don't know who you are, at the end of this, you're going to know a little bit more about who you are and who God is. Uh, it's going to challenge you. You're going to see God's commitment to your greatness. Ooh, God's committed to your greatness? Yeah, he's committed to your greatness. A theologian put it this way. He's committed to your greatness. He's committed to your fruitfulness. He's committed to pruning your life. Ooh, he's committed to removing things from your life. God's committed to you. So the people that always sit in the back, you're not safe today. You're not safe Gospel's coming right for you. People up front, you're already ready. I know, it's just lay your belt. You know, ooh, come on, what's gonna happen today? All right, uh, I'm gonna uh, break it down real quick. It's, three cha- uh, th- it's a chapter, but it's got three sections. One is, uh, God's gonna show us something in John 15. And then God's gonna charge us with something, that's in the middle, and then he's gonna warn us at the very end. So uh, what does he show us? Um, a lot of us live with what I think um, the mindset of what we're not. If I could just be honest, some of you, maybe if you got like, if you're the only child or you're really cool in seventh grade, you have a different confidence that we don't have, okay? If you like had a great seventh grade year of your life, I really believe the seventh grade is like the most formative life of any kid. I was a youth pastor. So if you were cool in seventh grade, you're cool forever. If you're like the good looking one in seventh grade, it doesn't matter like how ugly you get, you're still hot in your own eyes. 
That's just how it works in seventh grade. But if you were the ugly duckling in seventh grade, you'd be the most beautiful person. You'd be like, I just don't feel pretty still. You know, that's just what happens in seventh grade. So a lot of us live with the mindset of what we're not. I'm not a good enough dad. I'm not a good enough husband. I'm not a good enough Christian. I'm just not this. I'm not that. I'm not doing this. And we live with the mindset of not. John 15 is about what you're not. It's about who he is and what he's making you. That's really what Jesus does. He doesn't talk about what you're not. People don't need to be reminded what they're not. Jesus didn't come, on the, uh, come to this earth to remind us what or not. He, he came to this earth to let us know who he is and who we could be. So he showed us what we could be. Woo. Do you, if you don't believe the worst person you know can change, then you don't know theology one-on-one. If you don't think the worst part about you can change, you don't know Christianity one-on-one. John 15 is going to show you that God can take the most selfish person and make him the most selfless person. Oof. God can take your spouse who's maybe the most selfish spouse ever and make him the most generous spouse ever. You don't need to try to make your spouse. You need to start praying for your spouse. John 15 is going to show us that people that can kill Christianity like a Saul can actually become the greatest evangelist, apostle, and they can become a Paul. John 15 is going to show you that God can take nothing and make it something. It's an amazing thing. You know what's uh, uh, crazy to me is the things that we will put up with. I'll let you use a simple thing. Rachel and I just actually bought our first house. What? Jehovah Jireh. Bam, 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 bam. Uh, never thought we were going to buy a house in the Bay Area. It's amazing. I went to uh, Vegas. Everything was on black, and I just went for it, and it happened. <laughs> Praise report. <laughs> Roulette. <laughs> Don't tell me you never tried to do that. Don't tell me you walked by a slot machine one time and pushed the button and be like, God, if I win, I'll give you half of it, I promise. Um, it's not how we actually got a family gift. But anyway, so we bought a house. Very exciting, okay? You probably wonder, does he go to Vegas? Yes, I do, but I'm, I'm a Christian, so we go to the buffets and the shows, relax, okay? So anyways, um, so anyways, we bought a house, and one of the things we did is we bought things we just never really had. So we got a uh, $1,000 gift card to Restoration Hardware, $1,000 to Restoration Hardware. We got a $1,000 gift card to William Sonoma. I'll never forget, we walked into Restoration Hardware with that $1,000 thing, we could buy a couch. Couches are 20 grand, by the way, okay? We could buy like an armchair. And online it says starting at 1300, but what they mean starting at 1300 is like starting with a pillow at 1300. So I was like, what are we gonna get with $1,000 of Rush hardware? And I was like, Rachel, I've never, I grew up poor. We only had like one towel in the house, and like sometimes I'd use like a hand towel to let it dry myself off before school. I want a lot of great towels. I want the nicest towel you can buy on this planet. I want the Turkish towel, knitted, hand knitted Turkish towel from Rush hardware. There are 80 bucks a pop. I want them all. So for a our $1,000, we bought a bed sheet, literally just a little like duvet thing, and we bought four towels, and it was 1026 Real talk. I have the receipt. Yeah, call the cops. RH is robbing everybody, okay? Now the towels came. Oh, they're amazing. They are amazing towels. So I was like, that's not enough towels. So we get our Williams-Sonoma gift card. I'm like, well, we need to get some more towels. So we, again, bought some towels, a coffee machine, and a mixer, $1,100 out the door, okay? First time I ever shopped at both of them. First and last, probably. You know, it was a gift card. Got me, it was amazing. It's amazing. Gift cards, just, man, it just feels like you literally did win the lottery. So now, when I'm getting ready for the day, I walk over to the, the towel pantry, and I open it up. And we didn't get, like, the little towels. We got what they call bath sheets, like the size of my body. Like, literally, you pull it out, and you're like, is this a king-size bed comforter? No, this is a towel, sucker, okay? So we got towels for days now. It's an, I, I love getting ready now. I mean, I, the towel wraps around me like a blanket, okay? Anyways. We're drinking coffee the other day, 
And I literally opened up our, our, um, our cupboard and we have mugs for days now. Like we got uh, office mugs. We love the show Office. So we got, you know, Bears Beats, Battlestar Galactica, you know, one. Um, uh, we got Friends mugs. We love the show Friends, okay? Um, we have a bunch of Starbucks mugs because wherever we travel, Rachel collects them. But for the longest time in our marriage, we had the most ghetto mugs. Like ones that are like, where they were so bad that I would actually wash the same mug every day after I used it. Because it's the only one I liked. So I'd wash it because it was big enough. I got, I got big hands. And so a lot of the mugs I, I could only hold with like one finger. I'd be like, like what was it, was it like a shot glass? So I, it drove me nuts. And I remember like drinking out of, and I opened it uh, up the cupboard and I was like, man, do I do Bears Beat Battlestar Galactica today? Or do I do Friends? And all six friends are on it. Um, do I do um, uh, uh, God Loves Us? We got some Christian ones in there. Don't judge us, okay? Um, which one do I do today? And they're all big. And I looked at Rachel, I was like, it's amazing what we put up with for nine years. And I, I made this declaration to the enemy. I'm never going back. I'm never going back to ghetto mugs. I'm never going back to one towel. I'm never going back to not enough socks. Anybody else not enough socks? If you don't have enough socks, I'll buy you more socks. Like that should not be the thing you're worried about. Oh, can I find two socks today? I open up my top drawer, socks for days. What's going to happen in John 15 today is once you taste a different way to live, once you see a higher bar of living, it's like having a kind of a not the best marriage, you get around a great marriage, like, oh, there's more in us. This is not what our marriage is supposed to be. When you get around a joyful Christian that's free of addiction, free of pornography, free of offense, free of all those things that you can't get free of, that shouldn't actually bring condemnation in your life. That should make you go, oh, I want what you're, I want that. How'd you get that? Oh, I got a gift card. It's from heaven. I got, I got some gift cards. Things that I could never buy, I got to buy because God hooked me up with some gift cards. So, so in John 15, you're going to see this, that you don't need to strive for those things. You don't need to break your back over those things. God is going to give you a picture, and at the end of it, you're going to be like, I'm never going back. I'm done washing the same thing every day. I'm done in this dumb cycle of wearing myself thin with sideways energy. John 15 will show you a better life. Second thing John 15 is going to show you, is this going to charge you with a mission? So now that you see it, something that you're supposed to be, do you know you're, God's not trying to make your life great for you? Just a little drop a little truth in your lap. He's going to charge you with a mission, like a good father. If you know anything about John 15, is the disciples know that Jesus is now leaving. And they're not very happy about it. They were actually pretty upset. They're troubled. And he said, don't worry, God's building you a, a, a great house. And he's basically trying to make them think of eternity. He's like, don't think temporal. I'm getting everything ready. It's going to be amazing. And then in John 15, he, it's like a father getting a son ready for his first hiking trip by himself or a daughter for a first hiking trip by herself. It's like the dad packing the backpack for the kid because the kid doesn't know what to pack on a hiking trip. Imagine being by yourself and you got to go climb a mountain and it's going to be all day long and you forgot to bring water. You forgot to bring a map. You forgot to bring... God is so kind, he packs the backpack for him. And what's interesting is you think he'd pack with a lot of things, but he packs with one thing, the most important thing. He says, I need you to love people. I need you to love one another. We're going to talk about that today. And a lot of you, if I can just be honest, your backpack's a little too full. It's full of hate. It's full of preference. It's full of religion. It's full of shame. It's just full of stuff that you're just, it's, it's hard to go on a mission when you're carrying the wrong things. And li like a good God, he, he takes the backpack and gives it to his uh, disciples and says, here it is, the one thing, now go get them. So we're going we're gonna to see God uh, fill our backpack today with the most important thing. And then last but not least, he warns us. He warns us. You will be hard-pressed to find in the Bible verses that 
you, you basically go to any book of the Bible and you'll find this. Endure, hold fast, stand firm, don't give up. You know, I was reading Hebrews uh, this week. I read Hebrews, first and second John, third John, first and second Peter, Jude. Yeah, I'm a pastor. I read a lot of the Bible. Um, getting your word if you're not getting your word. All right, here we go. Anyways, um, so I read this in Hebrews uh, this week. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. Basically, if I could be honest, we're all tired. We're all got some weak hands. We're all, we're all kind of beat up by this world. The Bible just keeps on saying, strengthen your tired grip. Endure, the, the Greek word is, is to hold fast. Uh, another, another picture that I love of the Greek word is, it's like a sailor who's holding on to the steering wheel of the ship and a storm is hitting and he knows if he lets go of the steering wheel, the whole ship's gonna fall over and everybody's gonna die. That's what that picture's trying to show you. Do you know some sailors, what they would do is on their hands, they would tattoo, hold fast on their hand and just stare at it. Knowing if I let go, everybody falls off. Can I tell you something about California right now? If we give up on California, it's over. I'm getting texts from people who are moving to other states. I'm just going to keep it real here. Okay. I'm getting texts people I love. It's all good. They, they, they're watching. I love you. They're texting me. Hey, I moved to Tennessee, and the pastor told me that the distance between Tennessee and California is the same distance between Babylon and Jerusalem, and the Christians are coming home. And I was like, ouch, cold-blooded. I was like, California's not Babylon. We're the new Jerusalem. You know, old Jerusalem. Start doing, doing, doing Christian text, you know what I'm saying? I'm reading articles that a pilot's landing in the Bay Area and his hot mic is on. He's like, we're landing in Weirdoville. These people are nuts. He's like literally cussing us out in the Bay Area. Can I just tell you something real quick? We do live in Weirdoville. The world is upside down. It is backwards in the Bay Area. When you're not living for God, it is upside down. But if all the Christians retreat out of the mission field, what good is a lampstand if it hides under a basket? Can I be honest with you? So he warns you, hey, just give you a heads up. This ain't gonna be easy. Just give you a heads up. Christianity is about easy and comfortable. It's about actually going to the mission field. You may die. Have a good time, disciples. So he's gonna show us. He's gonna charge us and he's gonna warn us. Let's pray. God, I thank you for what you're doing in the Bay Area. And God, again, people who are moving, I'm not trying to bash them. I believe you move people. You move me here. But God, I do believe this. You never called us to retreat. You do assign us to places. So Lord, I celebrate assignments. I celebrate moving assignments, but I do not celebrate retreating. And at Mission Church, we will not retreat. At Mission Church, we will stand firm. We will hold fast. We will not surrender a region to the enemy just because we're in bizarro land right now. Lord, I believe that your promise to Mission Church is for your kingdom to come and your will to be done. So may it start in this house at first. May we be transformed. May we be changed. And Lord, as we look at John 15, may we see the promises in your scripture. Oh, the promises of what our life could be and should be. May my words fall to the floor and your words soar. And everybody said? Amen. All right, John 15. Turn your Bibles there. Here we go. So the title of my message is Commitment Issues. Commitment Issues. It's kind of a fun title. I thought it was catchy. Here's why. There's three things you'll see in this. Is the first one is you're going to see God's commitment to us, but we must be committed to God. The second part you're going to see is you're going to see God commit, uh, tell, calling us to be committed to each other. And the last part is committed to the mission. If you're not committed to God, if you're not committed to me, and I'm not committed to you, and we're not committed to the mission, uh, the, mission the church can have issues. A lot of people have committed issues. 
God, I'm committed to you when it's convenient. I'm committed to my fellow Christian if they have the same political views as me, but I'm not committed if they don't. I'm committed to the mission if it fits in my calendar. And I'm just convinced right now that God is raising up committed Christians. That a lot of you are going to start making decisions that goes past convenience. They're going to start sacrificing. That you're going to start making big, uh, big, big declarations, and not just to do them, uh, not just the same, but you're actually going to live them out. I believe God's doing a, a, a pretty, uh, what I would call, um, I'm going to use it. I was going to say it, but I'm going to say it. I believe God's doing what I call a Gideon revival. He's, he's pruning down, just like in John 15. He's getting the people that are ready to fight, not the ones that don't want to be there. He is getting the committed ones ready for a revival in the Bay Area. That's what I'm believing. So John 15, turn your Bibles there. We're going to be committed. No commitment issues. Here we go. First verse, I'm going to start here. We're going to read, and then we're going to unpack it. John 15, 1. I am the true vine. Everybody say true vine. And my father is a gardener. Right there, that shows me. That, that first verse, we've got to stop right there. We've got to unpack this. I am the true vine. Jesus shows us that. That means there are fake vines. There are false vines. There are the wrong vines out there. And what he is offering is true joy. Not fleeting joy. True peace. He's saying, I'm the true, true source. And the reality is, is that there are fake vines all around us. Your career is a fake vine. Your spouse is a fake vine. Your kids are a fake vine. All good things, but you can't drink from them forever. It's fleeting. Fame is a fake vine. Culture is a fake vine. These are all fake vines that we go to plug into and say, if I can just get this, then I'll have this. If I can just plug into a good career, then I'll have all the fruit I want. If I can just find the right person, I'll have all the fruit I want. If I can just have a kid and we can have a family, i have all the fruit I want. Those are fake vines. Jesus says, I'm the true vine. The world wants to make you a Christmas tree. Can I unpack that? What if I just moved on? Okay, well, what did he mean by that? Um, God wants to make you a Christmas tree. I mean, no, 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 sorry. The world wants to make you a Christmas tree. God wants to make you a life-giving tree. And what I mean by that is a Christmas tree, when you first get it and you decorate it, it looks beautiful. You had lights on it. And if we were just doing a fashion show real quick and I asked you, what tree do you want? Do you want the tree that's decorated or the one that's just out planted in roots? Oh, give, me the, give me the pretty tree. Problem is the tree that's not planted in roots that's being decorated, it's gonna start withering. It's gonna start dying. And then if one little storm comes or one little fire comes, that thing's going to be gone in two seconds. And what culture does is it teaches us to decorate the outside, but it doesn't teach us to actually be planted on the inside. And so Jesus says, I'm the, I'm the true vine. I'm not trying to make Christmas trees. I'm trying to make life-giving trees that can sustain and have fruit to give to the world, the fruit to display, but also fruit for people to enjoy. So he says, I'm the true vine. Let's keep going. He cuts off every branch in him in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. So that will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me. Everybody say remain. remain. Abide is like 10 plus times in this. So we're going to talk about abide and we're going to unpack. It's not a mysterious word. You're going to make sense. It's going to make sense. Remain in me. Also, I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Turn to your neighbor and say, you a branch. Have you ever heard somebody tell you you're a branch? I, again, get to know God, you'll get to know yourself. So God says, I'm, I'm, I'm the vine. That means you're a branch. God says, I'm the alpha. That means you're second, because I'm first. God says, I'm the savior. That means you can't save yourself. When you get to know God's attributes, you actually get to know your attributes. So he goes, I'm the, I'm the van, you're, you're the branch. If you remain in me and I in you, you will be, bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Everybody say nothing. You can do nothing. I believe this. 
People are like, I can have a great marriage without God. No, you can have a Christmas tree type marriage. I can have a great life without God. No, you can have a Christmas tree type of life. But right when something bad happens, that thing's going to burn up real quick because you ain't got no roots. I got to tell you something real quick. I love personality profile tests. Anybody love personality profile tests? Myers-Briggs, I'm an ESTJ. Another one, I'm cleric phlegmatic. That means I'm a strong leader, but I'm tempered in my strongness. So I'm, I'm not mean, but I still want to dominate the world. Um, an Enneagram, I'm a three wing two. That means I'm an achiever helper. Uh, um, the strength finder, communication is my number one. Context is my number two. That's context is basically, I like stories to be correct. So when Rachel says that we went to the airport on Wednesday, but it was Tuesday, I'll stop. Like actually it was Tuesday. It don't mean nothing, but it means everything to me. When somebody tells a story out of context, like, ah, I can't do it. I was like, I think it was like 2010 at the time. Like, it was 2015. Like, you're five years off. Like, ah! So context is my number two strength, okay? Number three is competition. That's my third strength. Competitive. You guys want to play a game? Let's see what happens, okay? Competition. Number four, though, is positivity. I'm a positive guy. That's my fourth strength. And number five, I'm a relator. I love connection. I love relationship. My last one on number 32 in the strength finder is adaptability dead last. I hate change. I hate it. When I moved to California, I cried like a baby for six months. I don't know how to adapt. I love a routine. I wake up 5.30. I read my Bible. I drink my coffee. I go work out at 7 a.m. If, if you mess with that in the morning, I'm like, ah, ah, ah. COVID was my nightmare. Exploded my routine. Learn how to adapt. So I know all, so I, I like me good personality profile. Here's why. I want to know my strengths. I want to know weaknesses. I want to, I want, I want to improve. I want to be better. I want to be a fruitful person. I, 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 love, I love reading quotes like this too. Like I remember coming across this quote uh, when I was younger. There is nothing noble in being superior to your fellow men. True nobility lies in being superior to your former self. Ernest, Ernest Hemingway. Uh, wicka, wicka, Hemingway, okay? It's really hard for me to say. Um, but the problem with personality profile tests, which I love, is they tell you who you are. Jesus comes in and he gives you an identity. He tells you what you could be. So personality profile test, I'm ESTJ. Okay. But the Bible says you could be a branch that is more fruitful than you ever dare believed. That you could be a branch that has fruit that you've never seen in your life before. Jesus starts to unpack what we can be, but he also unpacks without him, we can, we're gonna be nothing. That means we can do no things without him. There's no wiggle room there. You, you can't compartmentalize relation with the Lord. You, you can't, come on Saturday and say, my life with the Lord is good. Because here's the deal. A lot of you are asking, like, okay, I actually want to be fruitful. I want to be successful. And I, I, again, how does this happen, Tyler? Well, this is what I love about the Lord. He doesn't leave us there. Let's keep reading. Here we go. There we go. Here we go. Um, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown in the fire and burned. So I think to teach about how you're going to be fruitful, I got to teach about how you're going to be also unfruitful. If you want to be actually, if I can use the word successful, success is a biblical word. It's okay to say, I want to be successful, by the way. Greatness is also a biblical word. Like sometimes people in Christian are like, why well, you want to be successful and great? Yeah, these are all kingdom qualities. Excellence is a God thing, not a world thing, okay? We should be the most excellent. We have the greatest message, the greatest savior. We should have the greatest disciples. Okay, we have the, we have the greatest. So we're going to be the greatest. But let's talk about what makes you not the greatest. So he says, if you don't do these things, it's basically you become a useless branch. Ooh. So there are what I call useless Christians. That's what he's saying. You could be a useless Christian. What makes a useless Christian? There's three things he just showed us right here. 
If you refuse to listen to Jesus Christ, you're a useless Christian. I'll give you a second one that will have you not succeed. We can listen to him and then render him lip service unsupported by any deeds. So you can listen to him, but not really do anything he tells you to do. Third one that makes you useless is we can accept him as master, but then in the face of difficulties uh, of the way of life, the desires uh, we want uh, um, take basic precedence and we abandon them. God, I want you. I love you. I'm going to do everything you call me to do. All right, I'll see you next week, Saturday. Oh, actually, I've been busy the last three weeks. I haven't done anything for the kingdom. It says this in Peter. Let me read it to you real quick. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you'll be in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. When I used to read John 15 about abiding, it was the most intimidating thing I'd read because I didn't understand how to abide. I would hear people like, I just want to abide with God. I just want to abide with him. I just want to abide. I just want to, I'm like, I don't know what that means. And I didn't know if I was doing well. And so here's what it says after this. I want to read to you. But if you remain in my words and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done. <laughs> Do you know what that just means right there? If you remain in my words, if you read my Bible and if you pray to me, I'll answer you. So all he's saying in abiding, this is, I'm going to, okay, you ready for this? Abiding is reading your word and praying. You want to know why a lot of Christians aren't fruitful? You're not reading your word and you're not praying. This isn't that hard. You're not reading the Bible, the life source of a Christian, and seeing in uh, first, first John, Second John, especially in the COVID time. Okay, so if I'm really going to believe her, it says in First John that I need to love my brother. This will be one of the greatest evidences. Or right, I'm going to listen to it, and then I'm going to do it. And if we listen to it, and we did it, you be fruitful, and the church will be effective. You'll be a useful Christian. But instead of reading your Bible and listening to it and praying about it, you just go live life and you just live the way you want to live and justify and you have no idea how to actually impact the kingdom. Church attendance means nothing to me. Impact means everything to me. I don't want you to attend church. I want you to become an impactful Christian. This, this is what God's heart is for you. Let me, let me put it this way. Uh, abiding is connection. It's connecting and communicating. Amelia Earhart. Mother's Day, I thought I'd share an amazing story about a woman. July 2nd, 1937, she took off for her famous flight to circumnavigate around the world, to go around the whole thing. Magellan, first person to circumnavigate the world. Nice little thing I remember in elementary school. Never forgot it. I don't know why. Uh, straight to Magellan on the bottom of South America. I still don't know why I know that, but I do. Um, they say that when she was taking off, that her communication little antenna rod was damaged. And so her first landing spot, she was trying to talk to them they were trying to talk to her and they couldn't communicate. And because of it, she couldn't find out where she was supposed to land and refuel. And she is still lost at sea somewhere. 18 months later, they, they said, she's gone. She died. How important is communication and connection? It's life or death, my friend. You're going to go live life and have a marriage and build your life and your antenna to actually hear God and listen to God and obey God. If it's damaged, you better fix it real quick. And here's how it's damaged. Your schedules is terrible. You, you don't pencil any time for God to actually speak to you. Your Bible time is dead last. So the antenna is dead last. You, you never listen to him and pray to him. You just pray carnal things throughout the day. This scripture shows us that we have these type of Christians among us. But John 15 says, Woo! if you abide and you remain in me, you can ask for anything and I will give it to you. Some of you this week, don't complicate Christianity. Just read a chapter, pray to God, and then what the chapter tells you to do, don't argue with it, just do it. 
Bible says you forgive that day. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to forgive everybody. Useless Christian. This is transforming the way I'm processing. I am texting people. I haven't texted for a long time. And I'm like, hey, how you doing? Love you. Because God told me to love them right now. Not easy. Let's keep going. Okay. This is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So then God goes, here's what I want to happen. I want the world to see my disciples with fruit. I want you to display it to the world. I want them to see a life with a lot of restoration hardware towels. I want them to see a life with a lot of mugs in the, in the cupboard. I want to see a life with a lot of socks. I want to see the, the best kind of life. Romans 8 has an interesting verse I want to read to you. The creation looks forward to the day when it will uh, uh, join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. So we, creation, looks to the day to be joined to God from death and decay. It says that we're all decaying right now. I don't like it. My back was locked up this week. Work out every day, stretch. I'm still, my body's kind of falling apart. I got EOE, the little esophagus thing. I'm talking to my friend, how you doing? He's like, my shoulder's locked up. I'm talking to another friend, they got, they got something wrong with them. Our body's just decaying, you know? I asked my barber if I'm balding. He's like, yes. I was like, bro, lie to me. <laughs> just decaying, you know what I'm saying? So now I'm using like shampoo that helps you not go bald. <laughs> like, please save me. Um, I think I'm going to hold on to this. I really believe it. Um, we'll see what happens, though. Uh, he's like, well, is it le less than you had before? Yeah, okay, I'm balding. Um, For we know that all creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right into the present time. So what is this picture showing us uh, in John? So God, God wants to, us to display something. What does he want us to display? The Bible says regeneration. We're not supposed to decay. Our marriages aren't supposed to decay. Our joy is not supposed to decay. The world is an escalator. I've flown three times in the last, uh, three times in the last month, uh, North Carolina, Florida a couple times. I've been, you know, things are getting back to normal, so we're going to stuff. And uh, now I get checked for COVID every week. I got tested on Friday. I'm COVID-free, but we've been flying and traveling. And so a lot of the things I've been seeing lately, I've just got to use this wherever I'm at to kind of show me uh, illustrations. And I'm like, oh, Lord, that's a great way to say it. And so uh, the world is an escalator, but not an escalator going up. It's an escalator going down. So the world is an escalator going down. If you get in the world's culture, you don't even have to try to decay. You just stand on that thing, you start going backwards. I think it's funny, we're shocked that the world is getting so dark. It's built to go backwards. The world's built to go this way. It's not built to worship God. The world, the world is not uh, pointing to God in, in, in this sense. Romans 1 says that all creation points to God, we should worship him. But what I'm saying is, is that, that man without God is an escalator backwards. And so... I don't, I've been working out five days a week since October, but I'm not eating that well for the last month. And I'm kind of losing my physique already. And I was like, man, body decays so fast. It's worked so hard to be fit. It's like running up an escalator. Pauses are not real in life. You don't work on your marriage, it's going that way. The Bay Area is gonna go this way unless the church shows them a better way. So, so every year we're like, why is it getting darker? Well, the Lord said, literally the church is the one that's supposed to actually make it brighter. So if it's getting darker, I, I say it's kind of on us. We gotta own what we need to own. So what would a better way look like? When Jesus died on the cross, you know what he introduced? A new escalator that goes up instead of down. He, he offers this thing called grace. He offers this gift of salvation. Um, so I saw a kid when we were at the airport and he was running up the escalator 
And like he made it. And I mean, he was just, <gasps> and I was like, that's people when they try to succeed in their career without Jesus. They actually get somewhere, but it costs them everything. What good is a man's life if he forfeits his whole soul? You get to the top, but you can't even breathe anymore. You get everything, but you don't have anything. I made it, mom. <gasps> you can't drink, you can't enjoy, you can't even talk. Because if you try to actually succeed the world's way, you'll get to somewhere, but you won't be able to enjoy it. So then uh, we're in Miami and uh, they have these little walkways where like, you know, you get on it and you're like, whoa, you start moving really fast. You guys know what I'm talking about? It's an escalator that's flat that moves because you got to go real far away. So I remember uh, getting on it and I start walking on it. And one guy decides to not walk on it. And then another kid, I don't know why kids love it, but starts running against the, the walk walkway that way. And so I walk on it. And the guy that's right next to me, you would have thought I was sprinting by him. And I was like, I'm just like, blowing, like I'm Usain Bolt at this moment, okay? Um, and then I just stand there. And I'm like, I'm past this guy. I'm moving past this guy. And I'm, you know, I, was, I was studying John 14 and uh, 13, 14, 15 this uh, last few weeks. And you know, the Holy Spirit, uh, advocate is the um, word that's uh, in my translation, but it's helper, it's lawyer. It's a Greek word of just being our helper. And uh, just sending the Holy Spirit to help us. And uh, the picture of advocate really is us like holding hands with the Holy Spirit because he's going to walk alongside us to accomplish what God has for us. And so um, a lot of us don't want to walk with the Holy Spirit. So we, you know, throw his hand down and try to do our own thing or we sit there. And I told Rachel, I was like, man, like the Holy Spirit really is like the, the walkway. Like John 15, it's like the walkway. You go further faster with God. You get on it and you have a pace of grace. You don't strive. The world strives. But you have these, these things that the world wants. You got joy, peace, fruit. And the world's like, well, I got, I got everything the world told me to have, but you have everything actually I desire from my heart. And you're not doing it my way. You're doing it a different way. You got a different pace to yourself. You're never, you're never anxious the way I'm anxious. You have just a different countenance. And the reality is, is because I'm a different escalator. I, I don't have to climb anymore. God did all the climbing for me. And so... If I could just give you a, a challenge today is God wants us to display a different type of way of living. And the way that we should live this week is we should not strive, we should surrender. We should not strive for the next thing, but we should actually just pray for the next thing. And just see what happens to your countenance. Man, let's display a different fruit. Does that sound good? Let's keep going. Um, as the Father has loved me, so I've loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you remain in my love just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. It's a lot of love. Everybody say love. It was like five loves, okay? I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Ooh, joy, complete joy. Uh, yes, please. Uh, uh-huh, check. Uh, my command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. I wrote down a Tyler Johnson quote. Take it or leave it. Ready? Put it on the screen. Um, it's crazy to me how quick Christians are to write off uh, people when Jesus' whole ministry was he was trying to write people in. I didn't read it very well, so maybe not have the impact. I mean, I'm going to try again. Can I try again? Okay, cool. Um, I'm just going to shoot from the hip, actually, a little bit real quick with it. It is crazy to me how many people we write off when Jesus' whole ministry is writing people in. It's called the Book of Life. Um, let me put it this way. If I had everybody in the room right now say, if you are a Democrat, stand up. Don't do it. Do not do this. But I was like, if you're a Democrat, stand up. The people of the Republican in the house would be like, how are you even a Christian? <laughs> now, if I said, all you Republicans stand up, all you Democrats would be like, how are you even a Christian? And you would write them off. Oh, you, you're for a fascist. And then and the Republicans would say, you're for this. Because to be honest, Republican fully birthed is fascism. Demo, uh, Democrat fully birthed is communism. 
They're both broken systems because they're not actually what we're supposed to be chasing after. It's crazy to me. Politics, I'm watching pol the enemy use politics like crazy right now. You find out what some of you are politically, you just write them off. You find out somebody's worldview and you write them off. You find out somebody, want, somebody wants to make America great again, you write them off. You find out somebody wants this to happen uh, in this part of America and you write them off. And Jesus said, I have this one thing I want to put in your backpack. I just got one thing I want to put in your backpack. You ready? It's love. That's it. Not your political preferences. Not what you think is best for the Bay Area. If, you loved if we just loved each other better, and we loved people better, the ground we would take back. If we, if, <laughs> reading John 15 just simplified a lot of things I need to do as a pastor when I meet with people in coffee. I just want to calibrate people a bit. Here, so so how, how is it that God calls us to abide and then for us to display fruit, but then we don't do it very well? Let, let me put, so it's the one thing. So there's only two times in the Bible where Jesus says one thing. Mary's at Jesus' feet, and he said, I'm not going to take away her one thing. I'm not going to take away. She, she's loving me. She's worshiping me. Martha's like, I want, I'm cleaning the kitchen and Mary's doing this. Get her. And Jesus is like, no, I'm not going to take away the one thing. The only other time Jesus says one thing is, I got this one thing, love each other. So there's two one things. It's weird, but there's two one things. Because both love. Love God, love people. You, you can't really get rid of them. You can't not, if you don't love people, you don't love God. And, and I'm starting to see, it's not actually two things. It's one thing. You don't actually know the love of God if you don't love people. Useless Christian. I'm going to say it again. Okay, let's keep going. I was in North Carolina. Okay. All right. Um, let's keep going. Uh, so how, how do we do it? Let, let, let's, let's, uh, let's see what, this is basically what Jesus is doing. I'll give you a picture. Um, this ring right here. See, I came up to you and I said, I will give you $10 million if you keep this on you for 30 straight days. Got to keep it in your pocket. You can't, it can't leave you. It's got to stay in your pocket. So, you know, you just wherever, wherever you're at, you always got the ring in your pocket. And if you keep it right here for 30 days, I'll give you $10 million. Who would take that right now? Anybody? Half of you are participating in my, thank you. The rest of you are like, yeah, I would, but I'm not gonna raise my hand. Okay, so I bet all of you would say yes. So you would say yes, but here's what your days would look like. You wake up, first thing you do when you wake up. Okay, I still got it, okay. All right, 29 days to go, $10 million. You know, you would uh, get in the car and you drive to work and be like, oh. Okay, I still got it. Okay, Whew, okay, okay. All right, and uh, you'd be out to lunch with somebody. Like, hold on a second. I gotta check something. Okay, I didn't feel it for a second. And I wanna make sure I still had it. What, what? This ring. Somebody's gonna give me 10 million if I keep the ring. You know what I'm saying? And then, and then a few days goes by and, and you're, you're walking out the door. Like, hold on a second. <sighs> Sorry. I wanna make sure I still had it. Man, why do you always keep on checking? I, I'm gonna get 10 million if I keep this thing, you know? And then you go play some sports. You're like, oh my gosh, did I, did I forget it? That's sport. Oh, okay, still there, still there. You'd be checking your pocket all the time. Because $10 million, you value it, it's going to be there. This is what Jesus is doing. I got this one thing I want you to hold on to. I'll do a pocket check for $10 million, but can I do a heart check for the kingdom of God? You wake up in the morning, do I still have it? Do I, do I still love God? Do I, love, do I still love people? Do I still know why I'm alive? Uh, it's lunchtime. Do, oh, it was a busy day. Work was crazy. Uh, Billy Bob was driving me nuts. Dad was driving me nuts. My bots. Do I still have it? Do I still love people? Do I, okay, I, okay, Lord, I need it. Fill me up. I need your love. Okay, uh, three, I'm playing sports. Uh, uh, I'm, playing, I'm playing a board game. God, do I still have love for people right now? Help me. Competitive. Uh, Lord, help me. One thing you should be checking in your heart every day. Do I still love you? First John finishes this way. Watch out for anything that would take the place uh, in your heart uh, that is not Jesus. 
It's how he just finishes his letter to the church. It's one thing, one thing, one thing, one thing, one thing, one thing. Stop complicating Christianity. And we're going to make impact because throughout the... Okay, I'm going to love. I'm not going to love who's convenient. I'm going to love people. I'm not going to... I'm not going to... Yeah, let's keep going. Um, almost done. I'm about the worship to come up. Greater love has uh, no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. You are my friends. If you do what I command, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I've learned from my father, I've made known to you. You do not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Ooh, I got to read that. I love it. Here's the warning. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. Let's, really, let's keep reading the Bible. I like real Bible. I like real Christianity. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. It's almost like Jesus saying this. I never called you to fit in. I never called you to look like the world. Just so you, do you guys realize I didn't look like the world? I was loving when they were hating. I was surrendering when they were fighting. When, when Peter's pulling out a sword, I'm saying, put it away. I'm going to go down across. I fight a different way. The, the way that world fights, I, we fight differently. I loved what um, um, uh, Joe uh, preached last week. I loved his message. My favorite thing, it's never going to leave me, is uh, David, why he won the battle is he wasn't fighting like the world. He fought like a shepherd. I was like, whoa, that will preach. In about two years, I'm going to steal it and I'm going to re-preach it. I'm going to say, fighting like a shepherd. But what he's saying is, did you see how I fought? I fought different. I love different. You're going to fight different. You're going to love different. And because of that, they're going to hate you. Hold on. I, uh, I encourage you to read the last few, uh, few verses in John 15, but I want to conclude with this. Jesus is basically over and over again, you're going to be different. 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 What I love about the Bible is you can read the gospel in any of the books of the Bible. I challenge you to have me not show it to you. Give me an Old Testament book. Every book is a messianic picture pointing to that we need a savior. Even Job, when he's suffering, he has prayers like this. Oh, if I just had a mediator that I could talk to God. The book of Job is just crying out for a savior so he could have the connection like Amelia Earhart didn't have. Say, I wish I could talk to God. I wish I could abide. I wish I could. He's just praying for John 15. Song of Songs is written by Solomon. And the reason why it's titled Song of Songs is it's like Holy of Holies. Song of Songs is, this is the greatest hit ever written basically by, by uh, Solomon. And he wrote a lot of songs, but the Song of Songs is the greatest hit of all hits. Boys the men got nothing on this. I'll make love to you. Nothing on this, okay? And there's this picture in Song 2, Song of Songs 2, verses 1 and 2, that just shows we should be different and our love should be different. This is a love song. Best love song ever written. I'm a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valleys. Like a lily among the thorns is my darling among the young women. Let me give you some context real quick because my number two, my strength finder. Here's the historical meaning of this. The Israelites saw it as Jehovah God's love for Israel. That's a historical meaning. The messianic meaning was simply this. It's Christ talking about his church in Song of Songs learn how to exegete scripture, hermeneutics. It really is just Christ's love for his church. A, there is a practical meaning. It's the beautiful picture of faithful love. It's the beautiful picture of like what real love looks like. Now, what a picture it shows us for our gospel message. Like a lily among the thorns. 
Do you know in Genesis when Adam and Eve sinned, do you know what happened? A curse happened. Mankind fell out of favor with God. They fell out of the grace of God. There, there had to be a sacrifice. So they, they taste this curse. And here's what it says in Genesis 3 about what they get out of it. Uh, because they walked away from God. They, they were abiding in fellowship and they decided to disconnect. And here's what happens because they disconnected. Because you listened to your wife and ate the fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed to the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat from it, food from it, all the days of your life. It will produce thorns. Everybody say thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. Let's go to Hebrews 6, 8 now. Let's just read another verse in the Bible. Why not? But the land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless. The Bay Area is producing a lot of thorns and thistles right now. Politics is producing a lot of thorns and thistles right now. The world is producing a lot of thorns and thistles right now, and it's useless. And is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. Well, there's John 15, basically just in another part of the Bible. But in Song of Songs, verse two, verse one, it says, like a lily among the thorns. And what it's saying in John 15, it's the same picture of the lily among the thorns, saying this, the world is gonna get darker, but our love is gonna get brighter. Do you feel like in the world right now, it's almost like you gotta be careful how you walk, because if you walk the wrong way, you're gonna get cut. You're walking in thorns. And what the world needs, it needs more lilies. Do you wanna walk through a thorn field or a lily field? Anybody? Let's all say lilies, yes? The church has got to be full of lilies. The problem is, is some of you are a little too thorny still. You're still too religious, still preference-oriented. This house is going to become beautiful. And the reason why it's going to become beautiful is we're going to say yes to being a lily among the thorns. Because our God said this, I love my bride. And my bride, oh, she is terrible right now, but I, when I die on a cross, I'm going to show her what real love looks like and she's going to copy me. And then there's going to be real love on earth for the first time. And what Jesus was doing in John 15 before the cross was, I'm going to pack your backpack with one thing. I need you all to be lily among the thorns. And this week, be a lily among the thorns. The world gets dark, be the lightness in the darkness. And don't be surprised it's going to be hard this week. But as it is, do a heart check. Okay, am I still a lily among the thorns? Will you bow your heads with me? Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Bay Area, we invite you to come join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at missionchurchca.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.